Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Hello everybody and welcome to the very first episode of a brand new show here on Kaiju FM. This is Triple Feature. My name is Rob and each episode I'm going to be talking to one of my friends, somebody I know, somebody I work with, somebody I've worked with in the past or someone I look up to. Anybody I know who's willing to come on and talk to me, they're going to be talking to me about their ideal triple feature films. They can be any films they like, but they've got to come together and plan three films for an evening. It could be a low-down, dirty drive-in bill. It could be a really highfalutin art house bill. But they've got to pull three films together for our triple feature. The first victim on the block, the first festival programmer who has deemed to come on board is my very good friend and long, long-term collaborator, Rob Wickings. Hello, Rob. Hello, Rob. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. Yes, it's a it's a delightful Wednesday night in the cold. I had root canal surgery three hours ago, so I'm raring to go. Fabulous. Well, you sound good on it. I have to say. Um, yeah, no, no, I can't hear any swelling from this side anyway. It's fine. I'm not leaning on one side, but I'll push through. It's all good, right. man. Good man. So, Rob, you are a podcaster occasionally you are a filmmaker occasionally you are a writer far more occasionally mm. and you are a film indie professional i am yes um is there anything i've missed in your polymathal skills there I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly reasonable cook didn't mention that and someone has stayed at rob's and eaten his food fairly reasonable doesn't quite cover how good rob is in the kitchen no fooey it's always a delight oh thank you very much every time i visit, I visit rob he's like do you want to go out I'm like no 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 let's, let's not go out let's, <laughs> let's, let's stay in let's stay in and eat yes absolutely yes so what's been your latest creation is writing i believe is the current uh, sort of medium of choice that's correct yep i'm currently pulling together my, my second anthology of, of short work. I've been working an awful lot with my local writing group, the brilliant Reading Writers, based in in, in, in God's own town, the best town in the country, uh, that's Reading. And yeah, so, so over the past few years, I've been working with them, putting together an awful lot of short fiction, and the time's come for me to come to sort of gather all that together. So I'm in the, in the final throes of doing that. It'll be entitled uh, Further Excuses and probably coming out in sometime in the next couple of months, I would have said. I'm presuming the name is a play on your long-standing blog's name. Correct, yes, yeah. Um, Excuses and Half-Truths is the name of my blog, It's <laughs> which goes through various... Um, different stages of attention it's 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 dormant at the moment but, but you know that's that's winter time for you and so excuses and half com. you can check out some of my less recent writings on there that's also got links to all the work i've done pretty much over over the years so it, it's pretty much a landing pad for the podcasts i've done the writing i'm still doing and so on and so forth and who knows and um, there'll be more to come on on excuses and half truths just a quick aside i, I am Pretty sure that you still owe me a bottle of port. Yes, I do. St- I do still owe you a bottle of port. I'm, I'm glad you reminded me of that, Rob. Thank you so much. Well, it's much. probably a decade old <laughs> offer of yours. Who could work out where the name came from? Should, uh, should I? Should I spoil that now? Um, feel free. Feel free. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, the name um, "Excuses and Half Truths" comes from a lyric by the excellent Boston-based band, The Hold Steady. And um, a track called Lord Undiscouraged, which came from, I, 
I believe it's on their um, Boys and Girls in America album. And um, they, they, they talk about excuses and half-truths and fortified wine in, in, in that particular track. And um, Rob was the first one to um, come up with where that came from. So, um, yeah. Yes, yes, I do still owe you a a, a bottle of um, something fortified. It will come eventually. It will. Well, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's one of those things. Bequeath it in the will. I can live with that. Okay, fair enough. But as I said, you are a a film lover and a filmmaker as well. So I'm intrigued. Indeed. uh, whether you bring that to uh, to our discussion but let's 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 not not dilly dally any further let's dive into our triple bill of the week so rob one of the rules here on triple feature is that you've got to pick a theme it's got to be something some some sort of bone marrow some sort of strings of core that runs through your three movies that joins them together yeah uh, they can't just be three movies that you like so what is linking your movies and and why why do you think this is a, a theme worth talking about and showing well um when you very kindly invited me onto a uh, triple feature i went through a, a a minor existential crisis as to as to what i was going to do basically because you know d- do you go highbrow do you go lowbrow or, or or which way do you go but um one of my big passions is is science fiction in cinema and there were three films that kind of sprung to mind very quickly for me. Films that I felt had kind of a linking theme in 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 what they were, and a linking sort of feel in how they'd been treated when when they were initially released. So the theme I've I've kind of come up with it's it, it's it's clunkily named, but. I, I think what, we, what we'll end up with is, is an entertaining trio of movies is unfairly treated space operas. Okay, so, so just just for the sake of uh, sort of our listeners, how would you define a space opera above and beyond a sort of a straight sci-fi film? What makes it a space opera? I, I would say it's got a lot to do with the um, the, the sort of thematic content of uh, uh, well, space. I think is 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 one is the key word here. It it, it you know it can't be sort of near future, um, sort of planet bound science fiction. Mm-hmm. So so things like the like your Mad Maxes or whatever wouldn't really count. I suppose your core e- easily defined definition of of what a space opera is would be st- would be Star Wars, but. As as we'll probably explore as we go through this, um, Star the the DNA of Star Wars is taken from a very rich vein of mm. um, of, of of science fiction that goes goes back into the sort of nineteen tens, nineteen twenties, and so on and so forth, and that that's kind of where the core of of what space opera is comes from. You're basically looking at um, sort of high daring do and high adventure um, in in the deep wastes of space space opera tends to be entertainment based you know it, it, it's not massively cerebral it, it is about having mm. fun with with um with spaceships and laser guns and crazy aliens and all, all that good stuff all the stuff that people think about when they think about science fiction is really what space opera is so, yeah, that that that's something that you're going to see quite clearly through all three of the movies that I've picked today. Well, lead us into your first choice then, Rob. Okay, the first choice is probably the one that I feel has it. it, it it's it's the leader for a reason. It's 
uh, it's a film that's based on probably the prime text of most modern science fiction. And it's a film that was massively um, underrated, in my humble opinion, when it first came out. That film is John Carter. You killed him with one blow. When I saw you, I believed that something new can come into this world. You are John Carter of Earth? The 2012 Disney John Carter. That's the one. Now, there have been attempts to make a version of, of, of this of this story. Basically, what we're talking about here is um, Edgar Rice Burroughs' John Carter of Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the point that John Carter is called John Carter instead of John Carter of Mars is one of the major problems that, that kind of caused this film to kind of not really go as well as it could do. Is John Carter of Mars, to my mind, gives you a very clear indication of what you're looking at. You know, it, 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 it's, it's a science fictional title, whereas John Carter could be anything. It's, you know, it, it's a name. It, it tells you yes, nothing yeah, about yeah. the film. So basic idea of the plot, I think, just, just really quickly, it's um, the story of the titular John Carter, who's um, uh, he's a soldier in the American Civil War, who through misadventure to a certain extent and, and sort of discovery of a, of a strange cave with strange artefacts in it, finds himself transported to to Mars. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is a Mars very much in the vein of, of kind of... Um, a Mars filled with strange monsters and ancient civilizations and beautiful princesses to rescue and so on and so forth. Um, written, written and directed by Andrew Stanton, who did marvelous work for Pixar, things like Wall-E, for example. Um, it's it's a huge widescreen, beautiful-looking piece of work with a lot of great um, set pieces. A lot of um, it, it looks fantastic. It was one of the. It's still one of the most expensive movies ever made, which kind of explains why it flopped so badly. It would have had to make make an absolute fortune to yeah, be able yeah. to make its money back. And the, um, the money is there. I mean, you can see in the movie that the money's up there on the screen. It is fantastical in its um its presentation. I think you know the, the effects of of the, say the, the Martian landscapes and the space battles and all of the different races it presents, like the money's up there. Absolutely so, yeah. Um, what you get is a very clear evocation of of a crumbling Martian society as well, a society that's that's obviously hundreds and thousands of years old and is is kind of being neglected to a certain extent. You know, it's it, it, there's a it's it's desert scenery it's red dust and towering mountainscapes with with uh magnificent old temples and cities sort of carved into the red rock mm. um with these with fantastical kind of um alien races in there but you've got all kinds of like different versions of humanity in there as well um so you've got say um john carter's love interest the Princess of Mars, Deja Thoris, played brilliantly in, in this film by uh, Lynn Collins, who sadly seems to disappear not soon after um, John Carter did stand sadly so badly. But Not wishing to, uh, to, to tar things, this is one of the films that 
I I'm on the I wasn't very keen on this movie when it came out. I like I like the visuals of it. I think it was a beautiful film, but it's it's hard because Taylor uh, Taylor Kitsch, 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 who is the the main lead, he plays John Carter in this. I am a huge fan of his, huge fan of his. I watched. I, I was a big fan of Friday Night Lights, which made he he made his break in, he made his debut in. Yeah, and he, I was a huge fan of him from that show. And he's really struggled when it's come to movies. Mm-hmm. He's sort of, he's truly, he did this, he did Battleship. He hasn't really landed a solid movie part. He popped up a bit in season two of True Detective, um, but that didn't go anywhere either. And he's really struggled once he's left that show. So I, I went into this really wanting to like it. Um, and as I say, I think it's amazing looking. Um, but I, I feel somehow yeah. that he, he didn't quite capture it right. Um, but this film kind of feels, just thinking about its time and place, like it's, came out at the same sort of time as Tomorrowland. Um, it feels like, I don't know, Disney's searching for its post-Pirates franchise. Mm. And in the same, it, it's a real shame that, because I, I think this film, for all its faults, has some faults. Oh, definitely, definitely. You, you, you kind of feel that, yeah. It had a real structure of something that could be brilliant. Like It had a world here that I would have loved to spend more time in. Yeah, I think it was, it, it, you know, it was, it's... The, the original story is certainly part of a massive series of books. Mm. And I know Disney were definitely looking to do at least a trilogy of, of films. And unfortunately, because it made, it, it, it tanked at the banks, the box office, that, mm. that, that, that just never happened. So we do end up with this thing being like this, this artifact in and of itself. Um, it's a shame you didn't feel, um, Taylor Kitsch worked particularly well because I, I i genuinely enjoyed him in this i i, I thought it especially in the the opening sequences um mm. where where, he, where he's kind of the um the the deserter stroke sort of fugitive from the law i actually think he's very very good in it um it's a difficult one because i think with as with a lot of the these these kind of um these kind of science fiction stories, the the lead character can be a little bit of a cipher. He's there yes, to sort of run yes. and jump and and and, and uh, you know fight, but you know I, I think he carries it well enough. I think that's one of the things about space opera is that we aren't watching these for deep character notes. We aren't watching these for you know heartfelt interpretations and delving into the psyche of a man. Like we are looking this for high adventure this is errol flynn this is robin of sherwood this is all of that mm. in space yeah absolutely i think you've you, you've nailed the whole feeling there you know it is it is about um i think daring do is a phrase i'll probably come back to more than once but it, it's definitely about that kind of high wide and handsome feeling of, and, and you know sort of galloping along and and mm. kind of going for a big ride and i think yeah yeah i, I genuinely feel that although you know, there are some longers and it's certainly probably about 15, 20 minutes too long. Um, it, there, there, there's, there's good reason to sort of find an edit that maybe would tighten it up a little bit. It's, it, you know, it's still mm. an epic adventure and there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I think so, certainly as, as, as part one of, of, a, of a trilogy of mm. space opera, I think it's great style. I, I agree. I think it is a shame. It would have been brilliant to see where this went in its second and third. I know that in the books, obviously, we start delving into um, the kids, the, the, the sons and daughters of um, John and... and Deja, Deja Thoris. Which is very weirdly very similar to what um, Pirates have done, in that they've, uh, in the latter series, have moved on to the kids of the original characters. 
Um, so so oh, there's a very interesting yeah. kind of parallel between these two franchises there. So I can see why they were keen to go down this route. Um, and mm. even though I wasn't wasn't as, as sold as you are, I'm, I am sad that it didn't go any further. I think it would be very interesting to have a new franchise, a new franchise in the world that isn't based on Star Wars or Star Trek, which I do enjoy, but sure. new stories are always good um, in the movie world. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you want to say before we move on to your second choice? I I just urge people to give John Carter a second ch- chance, really. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think it yeah, you know, it's not perfect by any means. But I think as an exploration of one of the core texts mm. that most modern science fiction, especially filmed science fiction, is based on, it's 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 good. It's it's perfectly enjoyable. So choice number two. Choice number two. Now this one probably I don't know necessarily more contentious, but this 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 is a hill that I am prepared to die on because it, it is just such an utter joy, an utterly bonkers but fantastic joy from start to finish, and um, that's Jupiter ascending. You've been taught that the birthplace of the human race is Earth, but it's not. Do you know what this will do to people when they find out the truth? I don't think that most people would want to know the truth. I do. I am on that hill with you, sir. Oh, this this gladdens my heart, I have to say. It's, uh, I mean, it's bonkers again. I'm going to say, I'm going to keep saying bonkers because it is just berserk. Mm. But it again, it's got that real feel of old school science fiction to it. So... The lead character in this one um, is Jupiter Jones, as played by um, Mila Kunis. Uh, Mila, M- 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 How can I forget her name? That's shocking. Who, again, you've got another science fictional archetype in that she's basically um, a hero that doesn't realise she's a hero mm. until fate conspires and plucks her out of the... Um, the, the the tiny existence that that she's in on on Earth, she starts off basically as as a maid, as a, as a toilet cleaner, effectively, and ends up as the all powerful ruler of a galactic empire. Now that's one hell of a, a, a character character arc to go through, and we go through that. She's she's basically her father was. Um, a prince of a galactic empire who fell in love with an earth woman. They had a child um, for various reasons. Um, Jupiter got left behind. And um, it's only when there's a power struggle in the family that she belongs to that kind of escalates slightly out of control. And it, it transpires that she's actually the, the heir to this huge galactic empire and shenanigans ensue. As, as as to um, as to her fate, mm. but it's it's again a big, wide, rollicking piece of work that starts really small, starts with 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 Mia Kunis effectively scrubbing a toilet, and ends with her sort of in the middle of this huge space battle um, with the ever excellent Eddie Redmayne, who is on massively scenery tripping form in this. He's loving. Yeah. He loves every. I, I absolutely adore his performance in the movie. He's just. He's so weird and out there. <laughs> he's clearly having having the absolute time of his life. And yeah, and I love that. I just what like he is. I think this was the year he was nominated for an Oscar. Like he he, he can be a really serious, heartfelt. Oh. 
nuanced actor, and he's great at yeah. that. But it's just nice to see yeah. him cut loose into a whole bag of weird, and it's great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's face it, the guy is, you know, he's playing this this loopy galactic prince in in this, and, you know, he's going full out. We, we are talking Brian Blessed in Flash Gordon levels of mm. overacting in this, and you've got, you know, you you have to respond to that. No, like, you, you just really kind of blow my moment. They're like, I've just never in my mind before, before put together like the this and Flash Gordon. Because one of the yeah. I think one of the things about watching this movie is that like the plot is essentially a, a very thin wire to to hang a bunch of scenes. You know, there's mm. her meeting her her all, all these siblings, and like it, it's it's exploring this world. And the same thing kind of true for Flash Gordon. Like you go through different different uh, through different worlds and people. And that kind of real feeling of like, like an episodic nature. Because I mean, obviously, a lot of these things, even things like John Carter, were originally told episodically that they were written in in magazines, newspapers, episodically. So, oh, absolutely, and yeah, yeah. I, I, I literally, as we're talking now, I've just that really like that's the reason why these stories are the way they are because they're they're built on this on this foundation of episodic stories. And so, when, when hmm. it comes to the movies. You're gonna have a more episodic nature to the story, because that's that's what they're not aping, but that's what they're paying homage to, are these more episodic, you know, um, stories. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and I th- I think that's that's something that that's that's really worth being aware of. With I think all th- all three of the movies I've picked, it's interesting you picked up on that because now I'm kind of thinking about it and thinking abs- actually, yeah, that that. Is absolutely right. Mm. Um, you know, you, you've got the, the, the sort of the earthbound sequences in Jupiter ascending, which sort of bounce from set piece to set piece to odd little bit with um, with the galactic princess discovering that she can she, she can kind of talk to bees and things mm. like that. And, uh, but, but yeah, yeah, it, it, it's all about these lovely little compact moments that that. Uh, that yeah. A string of pearls, I guess, sort of disappearing off into the distance and winding around themselves. And yeah, I, th- I think we do have to embrace the kind of the, the pulp fiction ethos. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. That's kind of at the heart, at the heart of all, all three of the movies I've picked. And, and the, the episodic nature of them is definitely a part of that. I mean, I, I, I guess Flash Gordon's kind of in there. All the way through in, in its various di- mm. iterations, from the comic book version of it to the Buster Crab nineteen thirties um, cinema serials, through to the magnificent Mike Ho- Mike Mike Hodges um, film version, you know, with with it, with with Brian mm. Blessed and Max von Sydow both really going for it in terms of uh, of seeing. Who can who can out 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 at the other one? And I'm still not convinced which one of them actually comes out <laughs> as the winner in that competition. Quick sidebar here: I told this story before on other podcasts. Um, but during my mm. I did a film degree, um, and during uh, my second year, I did a module on classic Hollywood, and this was a two hour lecture every Tuesday morning. Yeah, we knew it was two hours. It was in our diaries two hours. The lecturer thought it was a one hour lecture, um, so. He turns up the first time, um, having found out that morning that it was two hours rather than one hours, having planned the entire year of one-hour lectures. Oh, dear. So 
in his amazing style, he went, okay, what we'll do is we will lecture for the first hour. After that, we'll watch Flash Gordon. <laughs> so we didn't we didn't hours like lecturing, and then he just put on the Flash Gordon serial from thirties. That's magnificent. And we'd watch that for an hour. It bear, it bore no resemblance to what we were being taught. It bore no resemblance to any of the theme of the week. He's just like, I really like Flash Gordon. I've got an extra hour with you. You can go if you want, but I'm watching this. So because we were in the film rooms already, we just sat and watched Flash Gordon. I, I, I think the, the the classic Saturday morning serials definitely have their place as as, as part of that as part of that that um, subject. Um, you know, it, it, it's it. It's part of it being like the entertainment mm. for the masses, which is what classic Hollywood always was. You know, it, it, it kind of gets embraced now, and, and people try to make, try, go for the sort of uh, the whole highbrow sort of examination of, 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 of themes and, um, uh, and and so on and so forth. But Absolutely. no, I, I, the whole notion of going to the pictures once, twice, three times a week was just was just part of what everyone did. Just, because it was cheap and easy entertainment, and the, and yeah, absolutely. Why why shouldn't the the Saturday morning serials be part of that? I think I mean that's one of the things. Well, I mean, I haven't talked your third choice yet, um, but like that's the one thing that I love about these movies um, is that they are fun. And I, I do another show on Kaiju. I do a show called The Prestige, in which we kind of take things very seriously, and we talk a lot about themes and film theory and film critique, and that's a very serious show. Um, and I, I love doing that sort of work, but it's also nice to kick back and have mm. a really good time watching a movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think yeah, yeah. We're, we're both there. We're both massive film nerds, massive film fans. I mean, I know your predilection for um, cheesy old movies on VHS and things like that. And that's you know, that's all part of the same thing. It's all part of just the enjoyment of that mm. whole cinema experience in whatever way you choose to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, do you have a? Or you assume you do. What is your third choice to to round out our our, our movie night? I certainly do have a third choice, and it's um, again. It was once again unfairly treated for various different reasons, but um, this is a comparatively recent movie. Came out um, in twenty seventeen. Um, written and directed by one of my favourite directors. Um, the brilliant Luc Besson, um, and it's his second dive into the world of bonkers French science mm-hmm. fiction comics. Um, I'm referring, of course, to Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. This mission is a simple in and out. Agent Valerian, you'll be running solo. I only work with my partner. Hi. We're a team. It's fantastic. It's an absolute joy from from soup to nuts. It's deliberately went to the pictures to see it. I, I wanted that whole big widescreen experience mm. and was absolutely not disappointed. I mean, I'm a huge fan of The Fifth Element, which up until Valerian, I think, was the closest representation to the world of um, the Bourne Dessinée, the French... Um, especially science fiction French comics that I'd seen the whole world of um, uh, Jean Girard Mobius and that sort of really densely illustrated um, but strangely free form when it came when it comes to plot stories and 
this is absolutely about like this is real widescreen galaxy spanning run around shooting lasers flying spaceships strange aliens mysterious monsters funny robots you name it it's all in there and mm. you know Besson just basically takes everything that he can grab with both hands and shoves it all at the screen and yeah, it's it's marvelous. It's an absolute joy. When you brought to me the, the, the theme of uh, space operas, yeah. um, I was so hoping this was on your list because <laughs> it's another one where I'm with you. This film, I I did the same. Like when this film came out, I had a, six, a daughter who has just been born. She's six months old, and I wasn't getting to the movies a lot because mm. you know she's six months old. Um, and this time, I thought, you know what? I've got to see that big screen. I've got to go and see that on the big screen, see it as big as I can. Yeah. And it was brilliant. It was just, it's balls to the wall insane. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's something I've something I espoused many times on Twitter, is that I will always, always go to bat for a film that swings for the fences and maybe doesn't land it, for a film that plays it safe and does perfectly. Like, this film swung for the fences in every single shot. And... For me, and I know that this film, as you said, didn't do very well, and I, I think I know why. Mm. So if you'll bear with me a minute, I will wade through my current theory. Sure. We live in a live in an era now with the explosion of the internet, the explosion of information, people think tips, where there is a deep feeling that things need to be explained. If you look at all the backlash at the latest Star Wars film, yeah. where we didn't get answers to questions, we didn't get we didn't find out who Snake was, we didn't find out this, we found out that, and there's a real feeling that as an audience that the media we watch needs to give us answers mm. you know game of thrones all the things about what's going to happen like maybe game of thrones isn't going to tell us all things we want to know but there's yeah. a feeling amongst fandom that we need to know how all these things work and why they work and valerian does not give a shit about that <laughs> it's like here's the world it's going on get on with it and it doesn't try, it doesn't care to explain to you why you have this shopping market that no one else can see it doesn't care to explain to you the species or all of this like, this is the world you just have to roll with it it, it is you know the, the phrase that any technology sufficiently advances is it's magic yeah and it is absolutely. magic and you just have to roll with it you have to get on board with it but i worry that this film it's the wrong era for this film that the mass market is always going to want something like star wars that's going to sit down and explain what's going on it's going to give you answers whereas this film gives you a world but doesn't care to give you answers to them yeah yeah absolutely it's good yeah there's an element of it being a sandbox there's an element of it sort of being you know you you can take what you want from it i mean there is an element of explanation as, as to the setting I, I, the, the the opening sequence of valerian is an absolute masterpiece in that it kind of explains um what the city of a thousand planets that this thing called Alpha actually is. And it's basically the International Space Station that gets used over time as a kind of meeting place, stroke port, stroke harbour, stroke um, everything really for, for alien civilizations to, mm-hmm. to come into. So you basically get this wonderful sequence where it, where you basically get diplomatic meetings over the centuries and they just get wilder and wilder over time. And um, the International Space Station just gets bits added on and bits added on to the point where it actually becomes its own its own little planet and it actually ends up having to be sort of shunted out um, out of Earth orbit because it's just too heavy, it's too massive. Uh, but that's 
that sequence is just fantastic in that it just throws all sorts of crazy alien races at you, and mm. it's it's just it, it's kind of the the whole film in, in 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 microcosm because it's just so bulging with ideas that yeah, it's kind of tripping over itself to tell yeah. the sto- to, to to tell these ideas. It, it's the sort of thing that as a, as a ten year old boy or a ten year old girl, you're just filled with these fantastic ideas, and it's it's difficult to get them all out. So you just sort of throwing bits and pieces out all over the place and, and some of it won't stick some of it will stick but what you end up with is just this magnificent glittery florid mess and that's the kind of film I want to see frankly yeah and that's exactly what Valerian is okay you can sort of talk about the problematic relationship between Valerian and Loreline his his, his sergeant in arms but you can talk about performances maybe not being particularly engaging. Although, you know, I, I, I frankly disagree. I think Carla Delevingne is really, really good in this. I think she's she's just got that the right level of sort of spark and sass. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And, 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 fra- and, 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 and you know, just not really taking um valerian too seriously either you know she's constantly batting him away for all the, although he spends the most of the movie trying to persuade her to marry him mm. which again is this kind of sweet gesture he's not he, you know he's not trying to get in her pants he, he he's actually he wants to marry mm. her which is which is ch- sort of charmingly old-fashioned and again sort of almost it's, it's almost like a, a throwback to sort of an older version of science fiction where it's not about sort of you know, you know the casual sex kind of thing is just like he wants to marry her. How sweet mm. is that? And yeah, you know, again, you see the whole thing again based on a series of um, French comics, uh, which initially came out in the sixties. So yeah, you know, you've got that sort of weird kind of sexual politics going on in there. But just to a certain extent, that really doesn't matter that much. It's not what you're here to see. Is that it's not what it's about? It's about this kind of wild adventure in the, in in the depths of space and that's what you get and i love it for that i i'm gonna absolutely echo everything you said there i think i, I this is a film that i will go to bat for regularly and have done on twitter um because i do think mm. it was unfairly maligned because I, I i mean i think as you say i think clara is brilliant in this role. i think she has that real kind of steely resolve mixed with the spunk where you get where people fall in love with her but you also get why she says no uh, and like she, she, she is yeah. a character with agency. But I think, I think the the people talk about, about character. But it's this kind of it's this strange thing, and it, this is a soapbox I've banged a lot. Is in a lot of film critique and film appreciation currently, there's this real tyranny of story and character. And that sounds like, that sounds like a terrible thing to say in yeah. many ways. But <laughs> you know, this film, this film is a a visual masterpiece, absolute visual. Masterpiece. And mm. cinema is a visual medium. You know, if yeah. if I wanted to, know, if a film could be equally powerful as a radio play, well, fair enough. But there is no version of Valerian that isn't a visual version. <laughs> Comic books, fine. TV, fine. Movies, brilliant. And I've got to. Yeah. I've, I always love a movie that you know what says. You know what this is. The character here is the world. The the the, the, the story of element is that is this crazy, insane place in which we find ourselves. Um, and the delights and the twists and turns may not be 
unveiling layers of a character, but unveiling layers of a world. And I just love that about Valerian. I just love the fact that the way it seeks between, you know, high tech to low tech to heartfelt to kind of funny and weird, back to really dark and messed up. And it really brings the idea that these, these thousand planets and you really believe, you genuinely believe that this place is as rich and diverse and insane as they make it out to be. Um, but I've just been nodding away all the way through that. I absolutely agree with that. It's, yeah. I think all three of these films have that sort of sense of joy in visual storytelling and immersing you in a in a world beyond the world that that you that you walked into the cinema from and just the excitement in something much bigger and mm. wilder and stranger than than possibly you've got in your head and i think that you know you've got to dare to dream you've got to dare to imagine and that's what the all three of these films have in common is i think that that like like you say just 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 batting for the fences and doesn't matter if it's sort of if it if it goes or not but you know all three of these films went for it and I, some people would call them magnificent failures and I absolutely disagree with that. I think all three of them succeed magnificently in in the vision that they set out to mm. show us. And that's why I love these films. I, I can only agree. I genuinely think this would be a brilliant triple bill. This is a triple feature that I would pay and go and see. Sitting down and losing myself in three different and weird alien worlds um i think is a is a, a great mm. a great draw bill so from rob that is john carter or john carter of mars jupiter descending and valerian and a city of a thousand planets the uh, triple feature of overlooked space operas that's the one if i can find myself a cinema that will put them on then um well in my fantasy in the cinema in which we are now sitting we have put them on ah yes there's there's a, there's a ushers always around keeping people quiet you know look pick comfy seats fantastic yeah great so thanks rob coming on and being my first guest on the show uh if people want to check out uh you and your work you mentioned your blog earlier where else can they find you i'm pretty active on twitter so you can find me as at conohito that's c-o-n-o-j-i-t-o in fact if you do, if you do a, a web search on conohito it's one of those one of those phrases that doesn't seem to be anywhere else so if mm. you search conohito you can generally find most of most of my media instances for one of a better phrase but yeah certainly um excusesandhalftruths.com is um your first best bet for all things rob brilliant and you can find me at rob kaiju and if you want to follow the show we have a twitter account it's called triple feature and you can find us there and we'll be posting about this episode and other movie related things and we'll hopefully see you guys back here soon with another guest and another triple feature of movies and i'll see you then How much do you like beer? Do you drink it? Do you ponder it? We like great beer so much that we brew it. Maybe you do too, or are curious about the process and ingredients involved. Or maybe you just want to hear people talk about it. Come and join us by The Mash Tun, a fortnightly beer and brewing podcast by a couple of nerds where we brew some beer, drink some beer, and have a nice little chat about beer. You can find us on kaiju.fm or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search for By The Mash Tun. Crack open a brew.